A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Simon Briggs is here. Hello, Simon Briggs. Hello, how are you? What a joy to have him back. And we don't know which version we're going to get, whether it's the US Open version, uh, which nobody will forget, or the, uh, the version we had a few weeks ago when you sounded a bit tired until you warmed it up. Uh, you, you were talking to me on WhatsApp audio, and what I was getting was every question was starting really, slow, really fast, and then it went slow towards the end, from your end, right? which is quite weird. So I never quite knew if I was going to find out what you were asking me. I see. Oh, we've got the US Open version. strange heard, technical effect on the, on the internet. details about your inside-out underpants in real time, Simon. Though. That's right. Yeah. We did. Uh, this is a tennis podcast, folks. Um, it's not a joke. Uh, and uh, we do have real tennis to talk about, involving Stefanos Tsitsipas and... Alexander Zverev, which has just happened, and Rafael Nadal and Daniel Medvedev, which happened about 12 hours ago. Um, and it's been an eventful day, Catherine, hasn't it? Because I, I did not really expect the stuff that has just happened to happen. If anybody oh, hasn't more seen specific. it. All right, okay. So Daniel Medvedev and uh, uh, Rafael Nadal came out, shared the first two sets. Daniel Medvedev goes up 5 1, has match point, and loses against Rafael Nadal we then had uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas three games all with Alexander Zverev everything's cooking up nicely Catherine and Matt have sat and watched the match together they've had their chips even a burger got into the conversation which is almost guaranteed to, to mean an epic and about 40 minutes later it was all over and Tsitsipas has just wiped the floor with him bit of a surprise I said be more specific and you've just described everything that happened today. Yeah, well, you, you asked. What would you like us to comment on? I don't know. Where should we start? <laughs> what is going on with Alexander Zverev, Simon? Well, he was checking his phone, according to some people on Twitter. Which isn't allowed. No, and uh, the question is whether it just suggests that he's on Tinder or if he's uh, just trying to show that he's not, not that interested in the match because there were other <laughs> symptoms of a man <laughs> whose mind wasn't entirely on the job, in, in, including towards the end. He, he just played at a ridiculous speed through his last service game, didn't he? I mean, he really was trying to transmit not-bothered vibes from the uh, <laughs> Little Britain canon. He just kept on sort of pottering up to the service line, not really bouncing the ball, just hitting his serve, and then uh, didn't even move his feet sometimes when the return came in. And he serve volleyed on Tsitsipas's set point in the first set. It was like a throwaway serve volley. Mm. It was just completely bizarre. And this 
all happened after we've watched Rafael Nadal, the man who had told him not one negative face only uh, six short weeks ago, um, showing not one negative face on the court whilst coming back against Medvedev. Is, Zverev is not getting this, is he? It's not sinking in that you can't, you can't just dial it in against these people and win. I think he came out, didn't he, uh, for the first few games and then... He kind of became demoralised and it was. you felt like uh, he, after the first match I thought maybe he's going to be inspired by being back at the venue where he had his biggest success. But it, I, I did write that I, it was really hard to tell after the first round on Monday because you just didn't know how bad. You could see Rafa was pretty bad and he wasn't applying any pressure. So it's really hard to judge where Zverev was that night. And I thought, you know, maybe he's getting it. He's serving big for sure. Maybe he's coming back. And then tonight was like, no, <laughs> he really isn't. Uh, we, I mean, sorry. We're probably damning Sitsipas with faint praise there by criticising Zverev because I thought Sitsipas was sensational tonight. Yeah, and it, I don't think it is damning him with faint praise because his he was brilliant in all the ways that... Zverev isn't. His brilliance showed up all the things that Zverev isn't. Canny, smart, a good anticipator, someone brimming with variety and instinct and weapons, but also solidity. Um, everything. And, and the mentality. doesn't shut you down, does he? Even playing well, he kind of gives you a chance to do your thing. He doesn't suffocate you. I think it depends what your thing is. I mean, Zverev's thing is to belt the serve and crack the backhand, and I think Tsitsipas made his... He blunted his weapons. Mm. He was reading the serve. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was blocking it blocking back. Blocking it back. He, you know, which is a, a criticism that some of the, the champions of the sport have had of him, that he doesn't know how to hit a block return on that backhand side. Well, he has, he has learned how, And it seems to me. And, and we talk about Zverev being well, looking dejected and demoralised. I think a large part of that is because of what Sitsipas was doing to him, exposing him. And if there's one guy Zverev doesn't want to be exposed against, it's Sitsipas because of their little feuds that they've had, war of words. You know, he doesn't want to be exposed by a player three years his junior who looks like he's got a more expansive, more progressive game than Zverev. He's, he's created this sort of fig leaf of respectability on his second serve in that I don't know what the exact numbers were but there weren't many double faults today but that's because his second serve is now a dolly pretty much it was frequently in the 70s and absolutely I mean Sitsipas knew where it was going every time and where it was going a lot of the time was halfway up the box and sitting short so in order to make that second serve reliable again he's made it crap but he was serving <laughs> quite big on second against Rafa again hmm he was up against a guy who was really not present on any level and he berated himself afterwards for not even showing competitive spirit so actually Rafa had the, the same problem on Monday night that Zverev had tonight it's just that in Rafa it was a one-off aberration and then he complained about his own application in the, in the interview room I, I, don't, I don't suppose we'll be hearing that from Zverev in uh, five minutes or so when he comes in actually he's coming in now uh, I, I think we I saw something from Sitsipas that I don't remember seeing before. On an indoor court, he's developed a Federer-like running forehand towards the net, sort of hitting it diagonally moving forwards and sort of 
carving off the angle and half volleying with a full follow through just to take time away. And his numbers at the net this tournament are sensational. 22 out of 26 net points won in the first round, 16 out of 17 in this match today. And as you say, David, I don't think that's necessarily because he's volleying brilliantly. I think it's because he's putting himself in such good positions at the net with either his approach or just knowing when to come forward. He's got such a good sense of the court. It was almost like he's the one who's been hanging out with Roger Federer every five minutes. (laughs) I increasingly think that, I mean, obviously there are many, but if you had to isolate and narrow down one single decisive factor in, in greatness or one single decisive factor in the, the difference between a Sitsipas and a Zverev or a Shapovalov it's decision making it's decision making shot selection those instincts that for me is what Dimitrov is that's the chip that Dimitrov is, is missing it's the chip that I worry that Shapovalov is missing although I hope I'm I'm wrong and Sitsipas is just got it. The other thing though, Sitsipas, you would not see a reaction at the end like that that Zverev gave. You would not see Sitsipas throwing in the towel in like that in the last couple of games. He's got the same love for the sport that Federer's got, I think. He's got that passion just the, he's he's obsessed with the sport. What doesn't he have passion about? He's, well, he's obsessed with Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> as he as he wrote on the oh, on he the just camera. Can't get anything quite, quite right. right. No. Like Leicester? No, give me another try. Leicester. <laughs> Leicester? This, this was him trying to pronounce Leicester, was it? Leicester yeah. Square, yeah. <laughs> and this was him trying to spell Assassin's Creed and he just put a random N in the middle of it. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, he gets everything right when he's hitting tennis shots and everything else wrong. Yeah. But we love him anyway. I don't, think, I don't think he's passionate about going for a barbecue with his fellow players, is he? He, he really could just take... The, the whole social element of the tour and just leave it on one side. It's just fantastic. I love that. Yeah, someone, a young guy, a young person that's not not bothered about fitting in. It's great. I was commentating tonight with uh, Dominic Inglot, a uh, British doubles player, on, uh, on Five Live Sports Extra. He said he'd played doubles with both Zverev and Tsitsipas. Um, and he made the point that they spent the whole time targeting Zverev at the net because he can't volley he just doesn't they, they didn't they expected that if they blasted it repeatedly at him he would not be able to handle it and he said when they initially played Sitsipas the same was mm. true but even throughout the match Sitsipas's level improved at the net and by the end of it there was targeting him was not sensible he's played a lot of doubles this year Sitsipas hasn't he reached the final of uh, Miami with Wesley Kulhoff and then Kulhoff ditched him Kulhoff yeah. needed Sitsipas to... They played in New Wales and Miami together and, and Sitsipas said, I've committed to play all the Masters 1000 with Wesley for the year. And turns out Wesley was using Sitsipas for his singles ranking. <laughs> <laughs> and once he reached that final in Miami, his doubles ranking was high enough that he was able to ditch old Sitsi and team and, up with Robin Harser, I and think. Sitsipas then had the traumatic experience of playing with Kyrgios on oh, multiple occasions. Stefanik. There's a memory. But it feels like the whole thing's being planned quite strategically as a campaign, isn't it? Probably by Apostolos, one suspects. You know, he's saying, I want you to get out there and um, improve your net game and, and probably thinking of, of a Federer-ish 
kind of game plan that he wants to uh, see Tsitsipas, his son, adopting. And in some ways, you wonder how much is it, you know, did Apostolos take on Papa tonight and, uh, and come out on top? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's qualified Sitsipas, who's now into the semi-finals at the first attempt. Um, Zverev's going to have to wait and see, isn't he? He's now, who's he playing now? Medvedev. So he Medvedev. plays Medvedev. It's complicated. I've got. I've roughly <laughs> In got. A lot of ways. I've roughly got the breakdown. If Zverev wins, he's through. So if Zverev beats Medvedev, he is through. Okay. Um, but if Nadal wins against Sitsipas and Zverev loses. Then Nadal's through. It was a bad result for Nadal tonight because mm. if Zverev had won, Nadal would be holding his destiny in his own hands and now he's relying on Medvedev to beat Zverev. Will he do that? Will Medvedev beat Zverev? Probably. You think that the, it depends how he, re, how he reacts to, to today. What was going on with Medvedev today? How did he lose from 1-5 down? Apart from the fact that, yes, Nadal is an incredible warrior... Even Nadal admitted, whilst saying, look, what I have to do, and I have to do it every time I play, is be present for every point. We know that. But he said it's one in a thousand that you come back from a position like that. Well, he was asked in the Spanish press, the the first question was, as journalists, we've run out of words for you, Rafa. Can you help us? And how would you describe (laughs) this match in one word? And he just said, suerte, luck. That That was the first word that came to him, was it wasn't necessarily anything that he did other than the fact that as you said he stayed present he didn't he didn't show Medvedev anything that he was done mm. he wasn't sulking or he was staying in present and once he got one break back that was the moment he started to believe and, and thought I can I can chase him down now is, is suerte then the word for the disturbing beast that lives inside Daniil Medvedev that he described in his press conference yeah that was a, that was a bleak answer wasn't <laughs> what, it do tell what was that well, he was asked about his on-court behaviour, which was sub Andy Murray. <laughs> in he, the, he was in its giving sarcastic sub. thumbs up, wasn't yeah. he, to his support team repeatedly, and then racket claps mm. yeah. like when things got really bad. He's yeah. it's like he's haunted by some demons on the court that yeah, like live inside him, and he hasn't quite figured out a way to not express them and this is the best the best he can do at the moment is channel them through slightly irritating sarcastic thumbs up but he says it's a massive improvement because when he was younger he actually said the words if I missed the ball I immediately threw my racket over the fence which is a, it's just an amazing image isn't it <laughs> well it was at the end of 2017 when he employed Gilles Savare's current coach French Jack moved, moved to the south of France um, and at that point he had a horrible rap sheet um, which we've detailed on the podcast before, and that that decision was precipitated by him realising that he was at a fork in the road. I can keep on throwing my racket over the fence and throwing coins at the feet of umpires, or I can sort this out and attempt to realise my p- potential and, and choosing Savara as, as the coach was a very definite decision in the sort this out direction because his whole mantra was I'm not going to stand for this stuff attitude is everything our our main our main uh, uh, thing to work on is going to be your attitude and and boy has that worked Um, but but I'm not sure I'm not sure well I'm not sure how long he'd take that for you know I know I know we talk a lot about you know the key to 
to a coach being able to be a good coach is them not being afraid of being fired um, and obviously I don't know enough about him to know if he's that guy but from what I hear about their relationship and how it came about and what it's founded on I can't imagine him being the sort of guy that puts up with this stuff for too long you, you've interviewed Medvedev haven't you Simon he's a charming interviewee I mean he's, he's brilliant off the court and uh, he, he seems so frictionless in his movement through the back end of the season he always looked happy there was no kind of trace of that sort of touring uh, kind of exhaustion that comes over a lot of players and you think and I thought this guy is a just made for this lifestyle but then <laughs> that was quite a extreme bout of uh, of uh, box baiting wasn't it tonight yeah or this afternoon I should say and he, he does uh, he does go through extremes you, you wonder if he'll having won having got to the final of six successive tournaments will he self-destruct in six successive tournaments now he, he's streaky isn't he like that was that a was that a choke today yeah. from him yeah. one five down one Definitely. five up rather yeah. yeah I mean I, I watched it back uh, watched it the first time and then watched it back to see what happened and he missed just gallons of, of straightforward ground strokes and Rafa would win a point with a good shot and then he'd miss one with an inexplicable error and that was a pattern and Rafa won 20 of the next 24 points I think after the match point did he save with a little drop shot ouch Ouch, it's definitely not hurt. the um, the metronomic winning of titles, is it? No, no, it's not. I um, wouldn't put it past him to beat Zverev. Really, wouldn't. I mean, he he crushed him in uh, Shanghai, was it? Yeah. And Rafa was better today, considerably better than he was against Zverev, but still by no means. He's a way off, isn't he? His best, and he was he was again he was talking in the Spanish section of his press conference about the difference today was that he didn't think that he was going to make errors which he, he said very openly when I was playing Zverev as soon as I hit the ball I thought it was going to go out and for Nadal who's sort of his whole game is kind of built on that safety that he builds into his game with the spin that must be really disturbing to have that feeling and the other thing he says is that he's, he is lacking a bit of conviction in his forehand due to the um, hand injury that he picked up after the US Open which forced him out of Shanghai and the last day of the Labour Cup um, and he says he, he's, since then he's not been hitting his forehand exactly how he wants because he's just he's wor- a bit worried about it um, about kind of going for it and getting that pure strike on the ball so as, mu- as much as he did well to win that match today he's not looking you know brilliant overall in terms of this tournament and going on to win it but I'm not sure he'd be here if it wasn't that the year end number one was at stake agreed agreed and he only f- needs to beat Sitsipas uh, only that was a bad result for Novak today mm. as indeed was last night <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah he must have been frustrated to see Medvedev blow the match in- point I mean it'd be interesting to see whether he plays Davis Cup well, it's a pretty big deal. It's a big well, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Stu said to him, Stu Fraser said to him after the Zverev match, it's quite interesting this press conference that he gave, where he also had a, had a he bit back at Uvaldo for asking whether he was, he'd been put off by getting married. Yes, we um, briefly covered that last night, and that, but, and that came up again today. More of that in a minute. But an interesting press conference, particularly because Stu said to him, you might have to play seven matches, and actually it, it could be nine. I think Stu later realised it could be nine matches in two weeks. 
and I thought Rafa welled up a bit there. He became he, he he was silent for quite a long time, and then it felt like to me like his throat closed on him at the end of the answer, and and he kind of wiped his eye. And I, I made just just made it up, but I thought he was actually quite upset at the fact that he doesn't feel like he's in optimal shape, and that he might. He said, I'll, I'll, "I'll see. I mean, I'll do what I can." Basically, mm. he said he wasn't making any guarantees, and he looked upset to me. I mean, I think I might maybe on my own a little bit on that, but it was just I was watching him quite carefully, and, and it seemed like maybe maybe there was more feeling there than people might have realised at the time. There was a bit of feeling in the press conference today, Matt. You were you were blocked in. I know because, I couldn't get out because of a, of a, of a set to between Yabaldo Scanagata and Rafael Nadal. Tell us more. Well, I'm not entirely sure how it started. You know, the, these press conferences end and everyone kind of shuffles out of the room and suddenly my path was blocked because Ubaldo and Nadal were... Well, I think Ubaldo went over to, 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 to say, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry if, I, if, if the question uh, annoyed you, but, you know, I, I was just, um, I don't know, I, I, trying to raise this, an issue. And, and Nadal's agent was quite clear to Nadal that he shouldn't get involved with this, but Nadal said, no, no, I want this... I want to have this out, and then they said a lot of words very quickly in Spanish, which I must admit I didn't quite understand. Um, but Nadal ended that conversation pissed off. He, he, well, he was cross that Ubaldo had sent a tweet that made it look like it, it was Ubaldo who'd been slighted, and that it implied that Rafa should be apologising to him. Drama. Goodness. Press conference aggro. <laughs> um, it, this uh, scoreline prompted Matt to send uh, the cruelest of tweets out, which was, uh, what is the worst choke in tennis history? He wasn't put, it up, put up to it by me Paul at Henri all. Paul-Henri Mathieu. For a second. Um, Paul-Henri Mathieu in... David's, David's Cup final. final 2002 against Eugenie. The one, yes. the one that ruined him before he was, he'd even yeah. arrived. Even a thing, yeah. yeah. That was tough. Uh, the, the outcome was certainly pretty tough. Lou Talou says here, um, we've had 50, 50 plus answers on this in a couple of hours. Uh, Corrier against Gaudi, Gaudio mm. at the French Open. A whole season's unstoppable momentum. His moment to be unequivocally crowned Clay King. The young Nadal about to steal his limelight. The trophy within sight. Then somehow it just froze and evaporated. <sighs> well, this is bleak. Yeah. Chris Savory comes up with Sabatini from 6-1-5-1 up against Mary Jo Fernandez in the 1993 French Open quarterfinal. Ouch. What about Jeremy Bates at Didsbury? Do we know this one? <laughs> you heard this story? Uh, I know Family. it. No, yeah. I don't. Go on, Simon. I think he was two sets up and 5-1 or something. Against, against... Rasban Sabau or something. What's his name? Is he Latvian? Uh, Romanian. Romanian, sorry. Yeah. And it's become a, a kind of thing that... Uh, if you start to talk about who a British player might play in the next round, people people call it a breach of Didsbury rules. Because <laughs> <laughs> inevitably, you'll be still there four hours later uh, and your dinner reservation will be gone. So anyway, loads of chokes, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's a bit mean. I think Daniela, if Daniela Hantikova were here, she would probably submit herself for this. She was six love, two love against Ivanovic in an Australian Open semi-final. I mean, if you ask a floating sports fan, there's only one answer, right? I'm not talking about tennis nuts. There's, there's one show that every the every. No, I mean, I mean in, in tennis. tennis. Oh. Jana Novotna. No, Jana Novotna. Oh. That, that's the one that everyone knows. I mean, I think you're being tennis podcastees here and, uh, and, <laughs> and saying, okay, we don't need to talk about that one, but we just should. 
allude to it, right? Yeah. I quite like that tennis podcasties. Yes, uh, I do have a, a few, a few that say, uh, "Dear Jana Devotna, God bless her." Obviously, no longer with us anymore, but. Uh, Thankfully, she had her moment to win the title herself. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, how about this one? Mikhail Penforsch against Jimmy Connors. I remember this match. 1987 Wimbledon, 6-1, 6-1, 4-1. And Penforsch lost. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was, sorry, it was my idea. It wasn't Matt's idea. Anyway, so we've, uh, you know, we've talked about chokes now, and that's that, and Catherine's given me daggers. Um, Simon's looking at his watch. I think he's got to go and file Possibly, newspaper yeah, stuff. Can we talk about Herbert Mayu? Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, daily Herbert Mayu update. They were yeah. great. They qualified for the semi-finals. Matt dug out a quote from L'Equipe uh, pre-match, which just, uh, I mean, embellishes further the story that we've already documented in detail. But... Bear saying that Mao couldn't even look him in the eye during the US Open. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, that was sure three months ago. ago. Yeah. Besties Less than again three months now, ago. Though. They're all right now. Okay. Oh, they are so all right now. <laughs> there was a good moment in, in They're winning on, this thing, I think. Yeah, on definitely. the eve of this tournament, there was a press doubles players pro am. Did you hear about this? Yeah, we saw your green yeah, shirt. Yeah, we saw your shirt. We Simon. sure did hear about this, and, Simon. Uh, the point I was going to make was that, you know, everyone played this kind of. Uh, there was about 30 people on one court so you played one shot and had to rotate out one was, stood out more a, than any other it was, it was a little uh, tricky to get any rhythm but the point was that once uh, 20, 27 of those 30 people had cleared off you know looking for pizza or uh, a shower uh, or, or a train home um, Mahout stayed on the court with the two best players who are both Swiss reporters and they gave him a training session so that these guys were standing, you know, as a coach would, halfway between the baseline and the service line, and serving at him from there. And he was taking it really seriously and um, and, and and tuning up his returns. Wow! So you know, he was he was he was on point before the tournament even started. <laughs> we, we look forward to our invitations next time. Uh, anyway, um, so what are you writing about tomorrow, Simon? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. 
Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Uh, Rafa's Redemption, I think it might be on the front page of the uh, sports section. Wow, wow. not Team Berrettini. <laughs> Which is tomorrow's we'll look at that one. I think, uh, yeah. I think I, uh, I got a line in about um, uh, Medvedev's match unspooling like a, an elevator cable in a disaster movie. <laughs> 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 you had a go at me for the choking conversation. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right, yeah, then, Simon. Um, so what's going to happen tomorrow night before you go? Uh, Novak Djokovic, we won't, we won't bother with the Berrettini against team, which is the exhibition of all exhibition matches in the afternoon. Uh, what about uh, the evening session? Uh, Novak Djokovic think, against Roger I th- Federer. I think Djokovic played a very, very good match last night, and therefore I back him. Uh, and nobody else... As, as Petchy made the point, Mark Petchy made the point on Twitter, nobody else would have created that level of performance from team. He wouldn't be able to do that if Novak hadn't been there getting 90% of the balls back. It wouldn't have been quite as incredible, would it? Mm. So uh, on that basis, I'm going with Djokovic. Okay. Yeah. Djokovic. Full house. Yeah. He hasn't. Federer hasn't beaten him since here in 2015. I'm going Federer. Oh. Yes, yeah. that was a sudden reverse. Go on, Federer. Not that I'm supporting him. I just want to be right. That's all. All, all that's about. Um, Do you really the, 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 think the, that? Though? The only thing is, is it the tournament of the single handers? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've I had mean, it um, is. since the past. We've had team uh, maybe Federer tomorrow if he did turn it around or, or turn on the expectation of us. Uh, because and it could it be because of the court is a low bouncer? Yeah, I think Federer is going to turn it on. Two out of three sets. He's going to bring it. He's going to... It's a, I, th- it's I think he'll bring it. He's going to do some Sitsipas stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on to something. I feel as a two-hander, I can say this. They are just better. They are objectively better single-handers. No, they're objectively prettier, but usually weaker. Dominic team All things disagrees. factored in, better. <laughs> I think I think Dominic team being able to play backhands like that because he beat Novak in the backhand to backhand. I felt like from what I saw today, which wasn't the whole match, I thought felt like Tsitsipas beat Zverev in the backhand to backhand, mm. and that doesn't happen in most events with a single hander against a two hander. And I wonder if it's the low bounce. Mm. We have a couple of retirements uh, from the sport. Thomas Burdick uh, looks as though he's about to retire, and uh, Dominika Sibokova has definitely retired. Um, how will you remember those players? Sybil Kova first. I remember Sybil Kova for coming back into the press conference when we asked her about Serena Williams taking her place in the seedings at Wimbledon last year. Gave us a, a, a tactful answer, left the room, came back in 20 minutes later, said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let this go, and then ripped into the <laughs> organisers. And normally if a player comes back, it's to clarify in the opposite direction and try and downplay something they wish they hadn't said. But... She decided to ramp it up. <laughs> or, or to come back in and, and chastise somebody who's written something they don't like. It doesn't usually go that fast, though. I mean, that, would, that would be ridiculously quick to get that up. <laughs> and, and she has an incredible... This is going to sound weird when I say it, but it's true. A bit to identify tennis balls by their smell. Mm. She can tell the difference between a Slazinger ball, a head ball, 
any other tennis balls just by sniffing them. That's um, sits about levels of weird, isn't it? Yes, which was. <laughs> Don't I'm tell really him sure, that. I'm not really sure how she realised that, or <laughs> and also how sort of content producers realised that that was a thing. <laughs> I'm not, I just don't understand how that video came about, but we, we, it is a great video. We need to go back in time and find out the origins mm. of that particular story. Yeah, but she sniffs balls before she serves, doesn't she? Yeah. Mm. So presumably they, 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 they developed it from there, but they were surprised that she was incredibly... She got it within half a second every time, yeah, didn't like she? Super so, somebody on Twitter said she was like a Rafael Nadal in terms of her attitude and approach and I, I agree with that you know you, you, every single point no matter the disappointment she would dust herself down she would be pogoing up and down she'd be ready to go I mean this woman was she's five foot three and a half you know she's she's so outmatched physically by so many players and yet she would stand toe to toe with anybody even, even if they got the better of her she would not back down and she, she took out Joe Conta didn't she after the Serena seeding imbroglio she was so fired up and it felt like she completely steamrolled joe and it was it was like joe had been the one who actually carried the can for that decision <laughs> and i think she kind of transformed her game because when she started she was a counter puncture essentially she would kind of use other people's power but she realized that actually she could pack a punch herself and then became much more aggressive and then obviously you know, her standout achievement would be winning the winning the WTA finals. And yeah, for, for her to achieve that, you know, tournament of that caliber was, was remarkable with what she had. She just she was a maximizer. I think the N- Nadal comparisons right, and kind of David Ferrer as well. Yeah, they, David, David Ferrer is a good one. Australian big, Open runner-up too. Big fan of a lift selfie. Yes, yes, I've noticed that. I was asked to move out of the way so that a woman in a Bustier could take a lift selfie the other night. Was that her? My hotel. No, it wasn't her. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the stuff. Excuse me, you're contaminating my excellent lift selfie. Could right. you move out of the way, please? <laughs> Did you have good Insta game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that probably is what counts as good Insta game, yeah. Right. Thomas Burdick likes a bit of Insta game as well, doesn't he? Uh, and he became quite into Twitter for a while. Uh, and about 10 years ago, he used to cause all sorts of problems for Andy Murray and Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. He beat, he beat, I think he beat Federer and, did he beat Federer and Djokovic back to back? Back to back to make the Wimbledon final. 2010? And then lost to Nadal. Mm-hmm. 2010, yeah. Wow. I remember writing stories about uh, his father being a train driver in the build-up to that... Uh, in the build-up to that final with lots of uh, laboured Thomas the Tank Engine puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're going to go back and look at that one, aren't you? Well, now we've got the paywall down today. It's going to take free on the Telegraph for 24 <laughs> hours. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> I will... <laughs> How many Thomas the Tank Engine puns are there? Right, we'll I th- find I, out soon. I thought um, better of Simon Briggs than this. I... Rec- my... First and most prominent Thomas Burdick memory is him beating Roger Federer at the 2004 Athens Olympics. That is the that's the one that got away for Roger Federer. Yeah. They, that should have been his that's Olympic gold. That's when he gold. was totally dominant yeah. in the sport, wasn't he, Federer? Olympic at the time. singles gold, I should say. And uh, Burdick came along with his ponytail, as he had back then, mm. and knocked him off the court. 18-year-old at the time. Yeah. Um, he and that also, was the Nicholas Massu Olympics. Yes. He won, he won a lot of matches against Federer in, in a certain period around there. 
mm. and then it stopped happening. I think. <laughs> um, and, and he also he had he had some pretty tasty ones. Remember that one he had with Andy Murray at the the Australian mm. Open semi final. Parental advisory. You 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 flash check bleep. Yeah. <laughs> But although they claimed that we misread that one, didn't they? They claimed that it was actually something else that was said, but didn't look very complimentary anyway. And he also shushed the Madrid crowd when he beat uh, Nadal on the Madrid hardcore indoors, I think in about 06, something like that. Yeah. He wasn't That's afraid a misfire, to, isn't it? Wasn't, yeah, and then, and then Nadal, I think, beat him 18 times in a row <laughs> after genuinely 18 times in a row Nadal at the net wagging his finger saying very bad (laughs) very bad but I mean all the all the cliches you hear about Thomas Burdick that he's like one of the cleanest ball strikers were true when you watched him live I think you got I I always felt a much greater appreciation for Thomas Burdick the tennis player watching him live compared to on TV because the the pureness of his strike, the effortless power, would just ping off his strings, and it was, I mean, that's a talent that is so clear to see. Did he underachieve? I think he had, I think he had but he had other weaknesses. Mm. I mean, if you if you're looking for the the, the platonic ideal of the underachieving tennis player, isn't it Thomas Burdish? But he existed in an era where you couldn't have. Exists. I'm talking about him like he is. I'm <laughs> writing his obituary. Um, you could you couldn't have movement as a weakness. You can't. Yeah. You can't, can't afford. But to I mean, have there that must have been days. days. And it was such. There must have been days when he he had so many cracks, didn't he? In the, in the second week of majors, so many. There must have been days when he when he he was up against people who, if he believed. More, he, did he did he need a Lendl figure? I mean, Lendl wouldn't work with him, would Possibly. he? But, but I mean, he, he tried he tried to hire him, mm. didn't he? After yeah. after Lendl left Murray for the first time, and I think if you look back though, he pretty much always reached his seeded position. You know, he didn't let himself down. It was only in the big matches against the biggest players. I mean, we talked about how he beat them back to back that one time, but he sort of he hit his peak, didn't he? And he plateaued, and he didn't raise the bar again but movement wise it was like watching an articulated lorry by comparison <laughs> mm. to these other players and, and I, you know I know that sounds really harsh but just his physique he, he had incredibly strong legs but he was almost too muscular too strong and not not sprightly enough around the court um, but you'd see players with big games get over that hurdle now and again on the day when things lined up for them and they just mash the ball into a pulp yeah. you see players do that once in a while and he just in the second half of his career he just never did it no, I mean, he did I, a bit in his first if you want to go and he got scar tissue didn't if he you, if, yeah. and if you want to criticise Burdick my criticism of him would be that he, he, want, he was a clean ball striker who wanted to win cleanly he didn't want to get his hands dirty and if you took him into the trenches I wasn't con- I wasn't confident that he would come out on top. And Murray did that a few times him play to him, in the wind. He? Do you remember that the US Open oh, the semi-final, semi-final yeah. Murray played against him in the wind and as soon as I mean it, it was a chair terrible blew on the court. Wasn't it? But as, as soon as you saw that it was those kind of conditions you thought oh, but it but it doesn't stand a chance here. Mm. Cuz it's not a purist match, is it? No. You have to win ugly in those conditions, and that's Burdick's not your man for that. But wish him all the very Wasn't best. Your man for that. And Dominika Sibokova as well. It's, you know, they've, they've had 
really good careers that have been interesting to follow. Simon's just called him the platonic ideal of the underachiever. <laughs> David says, great careers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other retirement news that broke this evening is the Bryans announcing that they're going to stop at the US Open next year. Did they? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Mike went on to Tennis Channel and wow. announced that, that. So they're playing until the US Open next year and then they're going to call it a day. Oh, but that's they are be, in their 40s. That's going to be emotional. It's almost like the first of the big four going. Mm. So there really will be only one metal hip on tour. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> Blimey, we've covered some topics. <laughs> Uh, Simon, lovely to have you with us, as always. Nice to see you. Um, go and write some more stuff. Uh, articles every day in the Telegraph from Simon Briggs. Free for the next, how long? 6am, I think it finishes. Okay. Any, so any, you've got uh, seven more hours. Any other belting stories on the way that we should know about? Uh, the Chris Camode's uh, farewell press conference today. Okay, going to write something on that? Yeah, done that one. Okay, we'll look forward to having a look. Um, and what did you say, just briefly? Any, anything of interest? Said it hurt. Yeah. Chris Commode, six years in the job, out at the end of this year. And uh, yeah, it hurts, I think, the bloke. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about Chris Commode when we've got more time than one minute left in the podcast. Just to say, we'll be back again tomorrow with another. Determined not to preview Team Berrettini. Uh, well. Okay, what's happening in Team Berrettini? I think the team's probably winning. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Without anyone noticing. Okay, that's tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> and we've got uh, Djokovic against Federer in the evening. Matt's got something else to say. Well, just that there is a double shootout tomorrow involving uh, yes. Joe Salisbury. Oh, yeah. Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram against Kubot Mello, I think it is. Uh, yes. And the winners of that will, will go through. And that oh. would obviously be a big, big deal for Joe Salisbury. Yeah, and I mean for all of them, but which is that afternoon or evening? Afternoon. So the You're afternoon ticket holders do get a live match at least. Yeah. You also breezed over the opportunity for us to tell our really excellent burger and chips story. Off you go. Yes. Well, we were we were trying our best to replicate the conditions of yesterday. Right. Sitting together. Even the fan in the row in, in front was the same Literally fan. the same human being. We thought she was just a team fanatic, but no, she's just a tennis fanatic. Or a tennis podcast fanatic. In the fanatic. same seat. Okay. Uh, I was wearing the same jumper. <laughs> uh, same Honestly, jeans. we went to great lengths to replicate the conditions. Yeah. Except that, it turns out the spanner in the works is the fact that in the O2 arena, you are not permitted to purchase just chips. It is mandatory that you purchase burger and chips, <laughs> which at an event where once, at least once per match, you are being lectured to by Daniil Medvedev about the importance of a healthy diet on the big screens is pretty ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a story. So, yeah. I'll, I mean, I was, I was already irritated by those big, by the those big screen bits where Stefanos Tsitsipas tells me to drink less alcohol <laughs> that's going well <laughs> and uh, Novak Djokovic tells me not to smoke and Roger Federer tells me just to sort of be a better human being yeah right. and Nadal to don't take risks in the sun or something. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> oh but well, yeah so we ended yeah. up with a burger which 
I'd already had dinner. Catherine's <laughs> already had dinner. Yeah. What happened they're, they're literally forcing burgers down your throat while lecturing you about uh, the importance of a balanced diet. Have you still got that burger? Someone, uh, someone gobbled it up. Did they? Mm. Who? Don't know. Him? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't. No. Huh? Somebody not interested in heeding the advice of Daniil Medvedev. No, I could, I could murder a burger right now. Anyway. You just know that Daniil Medvedev is a bloke that can eat whatever he wants <laughs> and still be the streakiest guy in town. You just know like it. Like Tim Henman. Yeah. Yeah. Irritating. Anyway, we've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, uh, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot's real with a white. Look, I've met loads of people today who listen to The Tennis Podcast. If any of them are not telling their friends about us, there's trouble, all right? That goes for all of you. Tell people you know about the podcast so we get more listeners. voice. <laughs> it's the new me. Well, you posted your picture with the listeners of the tennis podcast and they had their friend with them and you cropped the friend out. <laughs> but he told me he didn't they want to listen. They identified the, uh, the wool in sheep's clothing. No, the sheep in wolf's clothing. Oh, God, it's been a long day. And edited him out of the photo. Well, he told me he didn't want to listen. So that's wolf, the sort of... It's a wolf in sheep's clothing, oh, it isn't was, it? Oh, It Christ. was a perfectly legitimate thing to do. Yeah. And given that we know he's not listening, then it's, it's fine. Yeah, but we'll say hello to Sherry and James who were listening <laughs> and, and loved the show because uh, we, we love them uh, anyway uh, and we'll be back tomorrow with another tennis podcast see you then even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 